of the letter just talking about the opening greetings and and we, we got to this point of how God wants to work in and through us um and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but this concept of the, of the church being on mission. In other words, the church has a task, has a purpose, it's going someplace. We're, we're used to that concept. I think, I, I love this eclipse thing that's going on. It's very interesting. I, I, I keep forgetting when it is. I keep having to ask people, when is the eclipse again? So I'm obviously not one who's traveling someplace to, to see the whole thing. In fact, I just realized that I have a meeting scheduled right during the um, eclipse that I'm going to try to see if I can adjust. And the nice thing about working remotely, though, is that I, I have a laptop by which I do Skype. So, so worst case scenario... I have Wi-Fi, and I can obviously stand up and walk outside. Um, so, so, so one way or another, I hope to be able to. Uh, I hope I can talk my other um, com- compatriots in the meeting into taking a break at that time and heading out. Now, how many of you guys actually have glasses? That's impressive. Um, I've heard they are like almost impossible to get at this point. Um, um, and so I, I, I don't have a great plan. I'm thinking of using the old iPad and blocking out my entire view with the iPad and watching it through the camera on the screen or something. I don't know. That, I, if you guys have any other ideas, please see me after the service and let me know. Um, I'll probably watch reruns on TV at least. Um, but actually, before the service, Mike was telling there, there's a there are people that their passion is, you know, these total clips. What do you call it? Totality? Is that what you called it? Tota- what is it called? Goodness gracious, the path of totality. And what, what, what's the path of totality? What is that? Okay, it's a path where 100% you won't be able to see the sun, but the moon will block out the sun 100%. Okay, that's the path of totality. That's very good. Now, I was talking, Mike was saying there's people that actually go all over the world. Tell me, what were you saying? That there's They're supposed to like, travel, go, go watch and see when the next total eclipse is, and travel the world to spend time in totality and be able to watch. And he was saying that there's like one person who's like trying to track to see if they can have the most time in totality. This guy holds the world record for the most time spent in totality. It's, it's been on a plane, it was on the Concorde, and they tracked the shadow of the moon as they were flying. So the path of totality that you just described, Rick? Yeah. So I, 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 that's, people are passionate about all sorts of things, right? Um, and so here we have someone who's passionate about this concept of, of you know, totality, and, and experiencing this as often as possible. I just want to be, we, um, we all have all sorts of things that we're, that we're passionate about. Um, obviously, I'm not the most passionate about the eclipse, although I think it's fantastic. I'm completely uninformed. That sort of betrays my lack of passion about it, although I think it's incredible. I, I, I feel ignorant for not knowing more, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed. Um, but not that much embarrassed. Um, but, 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 there, but there's all sorts of things that we, that we all are drawn to. There's some things that we go, hey, this is something I'm really interested in. There's other things we're like, mm, not so much, maybe, maybe sort of kind of. But the things that we're drawn to, the things that we're interested in, we want to spend time on. We want to understand. We want to know. And so, so that's all I'm Jake. I mean, he, he, he path of totality. I mean, you, just, you just described it to me, just straight up, what it was. And like most people in this room didn't know what it was. You had knowledge about it because you're interested in it and you're learning about it. And we all have things like that in our lives, things that we, that we are interested in, things that we know about, things that we want to have an outcome. You know, we, we don't just want to have an interest and have no effect. We don't, we, we don't want to say, oh, yeah, I'm interested in this, but I'm a total idiot like, like me like right now. You know, like if I said, oh, I'm interested in Eclipse and I don't know anything. <laughs> but that's not really where we want to be. But sometimes we can do that even in our spiritual lives. We can say, I want to be this kind of person, and yet I don't know anything. Or, I, 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 want, to, I want to become more and more like Christ, but I don't feel like I'm making any traction. Or, 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 I want my faith to be at the center of my life, but it's not. 
And, and, and I think sometimes that, that, that can be something that we actually experience. We have this intention, we have this desire, we have this hope to grow and to become more like Christ and to be transformed. But sometimes we just aren't making direction. Sometimes we sort of we feel like we're in a rut. Um, and today, what I, what I want us to do today, there's a, there's a, we're going to get to the prayer in, in the book of Philippians. And Paul prays a prayer for this Philippian church. And this is a church that he loves. That he loves, 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 loves. And we'll even see that in part of the passage today. And if you remember last week, the, the passage was about that they would, um, God work in and through them. And Paul has this confidence that um, he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God is going to bring to completion what he's doing in you. And so in this week, the prayer is sort of how that plays out. What's our part? What do we do? What needs to take place in us to see God working in and through us and to, and to join in with God in that process? So this prayer sort of gives some meat to how can we live this life? What do we do? What can we do that will help us become these people that we want to be? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is that the, the, and it's sort of surprising. I mean, it is surprising and it's not surprising. I mean, there's this word called love. Um, that we all know is very important. You know, we hear God is love. We hear you know, the two greatest commandments are love God and love your neighbor. Um, and we think of love as something that we do. It's an expression that we have and it's a way we act. But in reality, as we look at Paul's prayer, what Paul describes is that actually the foundation of a fruitful life is love. And if we're wanting to become these people that we want to become, if we, if we want to see this transformation in our lives, then we need to be these kind of people who are actually growing in love. And we're going to talk about, when we're going to sort of walk through what Paul talks about in that today. But that, that's, that's my hope today, is that as we look at this, we go, you know, we look at Paul's prayer. Paul's, Paul loves these people. His desires for them to continue to be partnered with God, to continue to see them transformed. And, and, and this is his, his prayer for them. And in this prayer, the heart of it is that their love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So today we're going to unpack what that means. And my hope is at the end we're going to walk out of here, one, with a great prayer to pray. You know, a prayer that you can pray for, for people that you love. That you can pray for yourselves. And a, and a prayer that also gives us guidance in, in what we should do and how we can act and how we can live and order our lives in a way that we will have a fruitful life. Okay, and so, so we're going to walk out of here, um, hopefully with those things in place. So the, the main point today is that a, that a fruitful life is rooted in love. But I am, I'm just going to pray for a second and then we'll, we'll dig in and we'll read the passage together. God, we do thank you for the opportunity to look at your word today. We thank you for um, just your wisdom in preserving this personal letter from Paul to this group of believers in Philippi that he deeply loved, who, who sacrificed for him who he went through hardship together with, and who he had confidence in that you were working in and among them, and you have a plan for them. So God, as we look at this passage, we look at the prayer of Paul today, I ask that you would sort of maybe rekindle afresh um, our hunger and desire for you, that you would give us insights into ways that we can have our love grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That you would give us a desire to be the type of people who would live lives that we would become blameless and pure for the day of Christ. That we would be able to discern what is best. And that all this would take place to the glory and praise of God. And so God, as, as we walk through this prayer, we, just, we ask that, you know, today by your Spirit, you would give us a vision 
for how you would desire for us to have a fruitful life as you multiply love in us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, well I'm going to read the passage. It starts off, the first two verses really are a continuation from last week where Paul is just really, he's expressing his love <clears throat> for the Philippian believers. Um, and so, he, so he's sort of continuing on in that. Um, in verse 7 he says, It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So those two verses, he's really describing his relationship with them, and we'll come back and unpack that. But then he has his prayer in these two verses, in verses 9, three verses, 9 to 11, 9 to 11. He says, and this is my prayer, that you may, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. So in those two verses, he's describing sort of the end game. He's saying, I want you to have this life that you're discerning what is best and your life is, is sort of filled with this fruit that comes from, from, from Jesus Christ and, and all that is taking place. And you know how that happens? That happens as your love is abounding more and more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that, that's where we're going today, that, that this fruitful life is, is rooted and grounded in love, in this love that abounds more and more and more. So I, let's just go back, first of all, to verses 7 and 8. And again, this is Paul's describing his love. He says, It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. Remember, Paul's in prison now. Remember, they, they, Paul is in Rome. <clears throat> Remember, he was captured back in, in Jerusalem. Some people opposed him, thought he brought some Gentiles into the temple. We, we talked about this when we were in the book of Acts. And then he was held in Caesarea for a couple years. Guys trying to get bribes. Then eventually he appeals to, to, to Caesar and he's taken to Rome. And he's there now in prison awaiting his fate. He doesn't know what it will be. And so, so Paul says, look, I, and, and what has happened, you will see in chapter 4 that the Philippian church has actually sent funds and resources to him to try to help him win a prison. I mean, it's not like prison today. Prison today, you, depending on the type of prison, you can get an education. Um, you can, you know, have all sorts of resources and stuff. In those days, prisons weren't as friendly. And a lot of times you had to support and help people in prison to be able to survive, whether they're under house arrest or, or in prison themselves. And so, so he's in need of assistance. And the Philippian church is actually, part of this letter is a thank you note saying, hey, thanks. That's part of his love for them is these guys just are so connected because they're connected to Paul and they sacrifice and they help him and they love him. And so part of it is he's saying thanks. But he's saying, look, I, I, I feel this way about you. I love you guys. I have you in my heart. And he goes, whether I'm in these chains here or I'm defending and confirming the gospel. Now, now you're going to see um, you know, later on that, that, Paul, that Paul talks about how even when he's in chains, he's defending and confirming the gospel. Um, but he's saying, you know, whether I'm tied up or not, you know, he says, that, oh, w w no matter what I'm doing, all of you share in God's grace with me. I mean, that was their experience. Remember even in Philippi, remember we talked about last week, in, what happened to him in Philippi when Paul came there. He, he was thrown into prison. Remember, he was down there chained up when the earthquake came, singing hymns. So, so, so Paul has this, this gospel participation no matter what he's doing, whether he's locked up, whether he's loose. And he says, no matter where I'm doing, what I'm doing, 
He says, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now, I, I love that concept because Paul understood grace. Right? Grace is when you're given something that you don't deserve. Now, remember, remember Paul's background? Paul, Paul was not this, um, you know, likely candidate to be sacrificing his life to share the gospel all over the world. Remember what he used to do? He literally went from town to town dragging Christians from their home, throwing them in prison. He was there holding the coats of people while Stephen, the early church, you know, one of the first deacons in the early church, was stoned to death. Paul had blood on his hands. So much so that when Jesus met him on the road, when Jesus appeared to him in a vision, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He called him out for directly persecuting himself. Jesus did. Not the most likely candidate to be someone who's going to be spreading the church around the known world. But, he, but, but what, did, what, did, what, did, what did Jesus do? He offered him grace. And forgiveness and mercy. And so I love that. I love that Paul just reminds him. He says, look, all of you share in God's grace with me. You are a recipient of God's grace. I am a recipient of God's grace. We all are. We're all in this together. I, I want us just to remember that. We, 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 you know, sometimes we think of someone, oh, this, is a, this, this, person, is a, you know, uh, this person is more righteous. Oh, this person, they, they've been to seminary. Oh, this person's in ministry. Or this person comes from this background. Or this person comes from this family. Or, or this person has had these experiences. Or this person does this kind of stuff. Not a one of us can earn a thing of this. We are all recipients of God's grace. So don't fall into the lie of thinking that, oh, this person, are, they're significant, and I'm not. They have something to offer to God, but I don't. They have a hope and a purpose. They have meaning. They have something of value. No, every one of us are recipients of grace. None of us deserve the forgiveness and love and mercy of God, and yet we're all recipients together. So that needs to just keep us from, from thinking of others as, as you know, having, having an inside scoop on a relationship with God. No, the scoop comes through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, and through faith in him we have forgiveness, because he gives grace. And so Paul just sets it out clear, because, look, you know, it's right for me to feel that I love all you guys, and, you know, whether I'm in chains or I'm out defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. And then he says, you know, he calls God as a witness. I mean, he's like, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul loves these guys. We talked about why last week. I mean, he, he went through the ringer with them, right? I mean, he's, he's thrown in prison with them. He, he has the slave girl, you know, yelling things at him that he cast the demon out from. He, um, I mean, he, he's gone through some, some things with them. But they have partnered with Paul in Thessalonica as he went into Corinth and also now in Rome. And, and even in this letter, they sent, you know, Epaphroditus, we'll get later on, they sent this guy to help Paul out. And Paul said, oh, we love him. We're sending him back to you. There's this close, intimate relationship 
close, close, intimate relationship. So with all that in mind, what does Paul pray for them? I mean, what, what do we pray for those people that we love? What do we pray for those people that we deeply care about? People that we're closely connected to? People that, that actually have a part of our heart? To say, as God is my witness, I love you. Those kind of people. What do we pray and ask for? And that's why this prayer, to me, I think is so powerful. Because he, he, he prays, he prays really that they will have this life. That this life that is fruitful, this life where they are discerning what is best, this life where they are becoming like Christ and they're going to stand before him as pure and blameless. And all of this to the glory of God. Paul's prayer is for the big picture. Paul's prayer is, is, is that they would one day at the end of this life have a li- be able to look back and have this life of, of significance, this life of fruit, this life of honor and glory to God. So I'm, I'm going to read those verses, the last verses, then we're going to back up. I'll read, I'll read 9 to 11, then we'll come back to 9. He goes, And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that, in other words, here's the purpose, the reason, in other words, verse 9 is the cause. I'm praying that you'll have love abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that, you know, with the result of, so that the outcome happens of this, that you may be able to discern what is best, may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. So I'm going to come back to nine. So he's, he's praying, saying, look, first, I, I want your love to abound more and more and more so that, you may, you might, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That's verse 10. You may be able to discern what's best. Now, how many of us need that? I mean, oh my goodness, isn't that what life is? It's trying to make these decisions that come at us all the time. What's best? Not what's good, not what's acceptable, not what will make it through the day, but actually what's best. At the end of the day, we, I, I, I don't want, I, I actually want what's best. And sometimes it's not clear. It's hard to know what's best. It's hard to choose between different options. It's hard to know what, you know, how to spend our time, how to spend our resources, how, how to approach a situation, how to resolve a relationship, you know, how, how to build friendships, how to handle things at school, how to handle things in the neighborhood, how to handle things at work. We all need wisdom, don't we? I mean, well, all the time, one of the, one of the most you know, common questions asked people, how do I discern the will of God? <laughs> how do I know what to do? And he's saying well, one of the outcomes of this love growing and, and more and more knowledge of the inside is so that you may discern what is best. And it says so you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So we're able to you know, be, be, he's praying, I want you to be able to, Paul's praying for these believers in Philippians, in Philippi, I want you to be able to choose what's best. With the outcome that you're going to be pure and blameless. In other words, that you're going to know what's right to do and you're going to do it. You're going you're gonna to know the decisions to make and you're going to walk in that way. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. So that when, when, when the, the day of Christ, you're going to be able to, 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 to have this life that has been transformed more and more like Him. 
He says, we'd be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. So this is that thing we talked about last week. The skin in the game. That God is working and we're working. We talked about last week, you know, having to, we were working on the screen porch with my son. You know, we, we were working together. You're both doing stuff. You're both engaged and involved. And that's what this is. He's saying, fill the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Whereas Jesus Christ has given us grace. Jesus Christ has given us mercy. He's given us his presence. And through that, he is working fruit in our lives. He's working it in our lives. And the end result is glory and praise to God. That's the end result. Okay, so, 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 so this is the point of Paul's prayer. He says, I pray things that you may abound more and more in knowledge, depth, and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Fill the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. So let's back up. What does it mean that your love may abound more and more? Because that's the causal thing, right? He's saying, I'm praying your love will abound more and more knowledge of the insight so that you can discern what is best. It may be pure and blameless. Fill with the fruit of righteousness to the day of Christ Jesus, you know, to the glory and praise of God. So what is this love abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight? That's what he's saying. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Well, love is clearly more than just a simple emotion. It's, it's obviously more than that. He says that your love may abound more and more. He first says abound. He said you got love and it's overflowing and my prayer is that that's going to happen more and more and more and more. Have you ever seen someone who's just sort of overflowing with something. You know, they're just like so excited about something that it's just, they're just characterized by it. Now you can see people that are over, they, sometimes you see people that have some news to share. There's like, you know, you just can't wait for that. They, they just can't wait to get something out of their mouths. They can't wait to talk about it. You know. But what, what he's saying here is that our, our, we want our lives to be overflowing, to be abounding in love. Now, he, it's interesting. He doesn't describe it. He doesn't say, is it love for God? Is it love for people? What is it? I mean, the assumption is that it's for both of those. Well, there's this love for God, that it's this love for people. But that our lives are characterized by this love for others. That we're thinking about them, that, that we desire their good. That, that this is played out in our lives. But then he says, he says, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So what does that mean? How does, how does love abound in knowledge? And this is where he's moving beyond saying it's not just simply a sentimental thing. It, it's not a passing fad. It's not a crush. You know, that, you know, you, sometimes you might like somebody, you get a little quick crush, and then you get to know them, and you're like, well, maybe not. You know, um, and, and you sort of, you know, go on. I'm, I feel sorry for my wife. She, she'll, she'll tell you, she'll say, you know, I didn't discover until after we were married that Tim doesn't like to dance. By that time, she was stuck with me, you know. It was a big disappointment. She's gotten over it. She threw herself a surprise birthday party on her, on her. She threw herself a surprise swing dance party. 
for her birthday because I, I, I'm not the best person to throw a dancing party. And so, so um, but, but, you know, so, so she still loves me. She puts up with me even though I'm not, I, I just can't, I don't have those moves on the dance floor. Um, but it's interesting, love, love is something we, we think about in our culture. You can fall in love, you can fall out of love. It's this emotion, it's just how you're feeling about someone. And that's not what Paul's describing here. See, I want your love to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And the knowledge thing is that you, it's actually an intentional, it's an informed love. It's like what we sort of talked about with the eclipse. If you're really interested in it, then you're going to know about it. You're going to know. I mean, that's why I have Jake. I mean, he knew, he knew the details. He knew what the path of totality was. He's interested in it. There's actually information behind it. It's not just this emotion. I love this. Which is great. That's important. But there's actually knowledge behind it. I mean, it's interesting. In marriage, you know, the, longer, the longer you're married, the more you actually know your spouse. And, and honestly... I mean, I appreciate, in my, I feel like I know Teresa so much better now, and I have a much better appreciation of who she is, but I had no ability to do when we first got married. She has so many gifts and strengths and things that, that I, I didn't really know. Ways to raise the kids, ways to interact with people, ways to have fun. I had no idea. But over time, I've grown in knowledge about her. And my love has deepened. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But that's the crazy thing about God. When our knowledge of God grows, there's no, oops, he doesn't dance. There's no, oops. You know, now, now there may be some things about God that we don't like that much in the sense of, you know, he actually is always with us. Sometimes we may tell ourselves, I don't want him to be with me right now because I'm doing what I don't want to do. <laughs> I know he's not doing what don't want me to do. You know, I mean, there may be some things that we go, Ugh, but there's nothing wrong with God. The more we get to know him, the more we grow in knowledge, the more we, get, the more we understand him, the more we're amazed. Amazed. And the deeper, the deeper our love for him grows. So the knowledge side really is about, is, 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 is information, it's experience. And we, and we find it, really, we find it in the word of God. And we find it in walking with God. You see, what, and, and that's sort of the second side, the, the second term in knowledge and depth of insight. That depth of insight, that term, this is the only time it occurs in the whole New Testament. It's sort of an, an unusual term. But it occurs a lot in the translation of the Old Testament. It really has to do with playing out practically. How do things practically happen? Some of that's insight because they actually, you know, people, some people have head knowledge, some people have hand knowledge. You know, some people like know all this stuff, but other people actually know how to do things. Like I, I, Kyle helped me yesterday doing some stuff at the house. I had no clue how to work with mortar. I have no clue how to, you know, so we were moving a little hinge over as the door keeps hitting, and he's like, oh, if we just drill a hole and put the screw, drill the hole first, and then put the screw in, it won't slide into the former hole. 
And so it's going to stay in the right place. I'm like, that's smart. He's like, oh, well, this TV show, so-and-so does it, Bob Beeler, whoever, I forget who it was, but somebody, you know, this old house or whatever. Um, you know, I'm like, that's smart. That's practical. That's hands-on. That's how to get something done that works. And that's this sense of growing love more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, I know what it's like to go through pain and loss with God. I've seen him give me comfort. I've seen him give me peace. I've seen him help me in times of disappointment and failure. I'm seeing it lived out in my life. And that's what he's saying. He's he's praying. I want your love to grow in knowledge of God and what he says and what he believes and also who he is. How he walks with you. How he interacts with you. How he cares for you. How this is played out day in and day out in your life. That's the love I want to... That's the love I want to expand in your life. That I want to be abounding and overflowing. That you have this love of God. You have this pursuit. You have this hunger. You have this draw. You have this passion for God. There's abounding. It's abounding in knowledge. It's abounding in in the practical day in and day out of life. As you live walking with God. And when you do that, when, you, when you're going to walk with God in this way where you're, where, you're, where you're hungry for Him, where you're learning about Him, and when you're doing the practical steps with Him, then you know what? He's going to help you discern what is best. He's going to make you pure and blameless. Christ is going to work that. He's going to fill you with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. All of that to the praise and glory of God. So that's Paul's prayer. That's Paul's prayer. You see how love is the foundation of a fruitful life? But it's not like we normally think of love. It's this love, it's this affection, it's pursuit of God. One in which we grow in knowledge. And one we just take a step at a time. Walking with him. Seeing him walk with us in the daily practicalities of life. That's what it means to have our love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So today you may be, you may be going, oh, this stuff sounds interesting, whatever. Um, but, you know, you may not think of this thing with God as a relationship. I remember when, when Teresa, she'll, she could tell her story when she was in high school. She was in a, in a, in a class. She went to a, a religious meeting and the guy there was talking about God in a relationship way. This way that you actually walk with God day in and day out. Not, not, not something that you know about and that you read about, but you actually know him. And she's like, that's not what I am. That's, that's different than what I know. <laughs> and she's like, ask the guy. Tell me about this. You know, are you sure what you're talking about? And he explained the gospel story to her. That, that this faith is not about doing these activities. It's about a relationship with God that you grow in love and knowledge of him day in and day out. So today, I mean, if if for you, your faith is simply activity or if it's simply knowledge, man, there's a lot more than that. There's a relationship with God day in and day out that he wants to invite you into. And we enter that through faith in Jesus Christ through his death on the cross for us, for forgiveness of our sins. Now maybe today you're at that place that, yeah... You know, I, 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 I want this relationship with God, but I, I, I've gotten really distracted. Or I've gotten really busy. Or I've gotten really uninterested. 
We've all gone through those periods. I know I have. And I just want to say, hey, wherever you are today, you can turn. Wherever you are today, God, God is saying, I desire to walk with you in relationship. So that you know me and I know you. And that you can experience my guiding in your daily life. Yeah. And if you're there, I'd say, hey, I'd encourage you to pray this. For yourself. For others. For those you love. For us as a church family. For us as a broader Dawson church family. Because that's what he calls us to do, right? Because this is supposed to be a process. None of us are there. I mean, the Philippian church is a great model. But what's he praying for them? That it would happen more and more and more and more. So in closing, I'm just going to pray this prayer for us. So let's pray. God, this is our prayer. That our love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless filled, for, pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.